You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We've been talking, and I felt led by the Lord over these next couple of weeks that it's a priority that we remember what God has spoken to us, that it's a priority that we hear what God has for us, that it says in the scriptures, Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. And the scripture that we're focusing on is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Why? Because if we don't, we potentially can drift away. And I believe that each and every one of us, either in our lives or in our families' lives or people that we interact with, you might have said or you've heard somebody in your family say, I don't know how I got here. In my life, in this journey, I don't know how I ended up where I am now. There's chaos, there's frustration, there's anger, there's disappointment. There's all of these things, and I don't know how I got here. And I want to propose an answer to that. You forgot to hear what you've heard in the past. And because of that, we're not talking about losing your salvation. We're just talking about your way of life. You're not happy. You're not content. You go to bed frustrated. You go to work frustrated. You're tired of your spouse. You're tired of your kids. You're tired of your dog. You're tired of your house. You're frustrated, and you're wondering, how did I get here? And I want to help bring some course correction of reminding you, going back to the basics of Christianity, to help you on your journey to correct your path. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed, that word more earnest, in the original text means more super abundantly how important it is to heed or pay careful attention to the things we have heard. It also means more frequent, much more, over and above, that so many things we can hear as we look at social, as we watch social media, as we listen to the news, as we listen to coworkers, as we listen to the government, there's so many things that, are, that we're hearing That isn't helping us get better. That isn't helping us overcome. That isn't helping us do what we want and what we think God has for us and planned for us. And so it says here that we must give super abundantly attention to what we have heard lest we drift away. Because that that phrase, lest we drift away, means to carelessly pass, means to miss, means to let slip, means to get carried away a thing that escapes you or slips your mind. And it's why even now as I encourage the graduates in this season of their life, make it a priority to establish your relationship with God now in your 20s so that you can go on a path, you can go on a journey in your life and not fall off by the wayside. Not fall, not stumble, but that you don't drift away and look up 40, 30, 40, 50 years later and think, how did I get here? What happened to my life? And you might be in a position at that time right now saying, what happened? I want to tell you that God is gracious. 
where sin abounded, grace so much more abounded. That God is gracious and he is in the course correcting business. He is a way maker. He is one who will pick you up out of the miry clay and he'll put you on the chief cornerstone of Jesus and he'll help you at whatever stage you are in life. And today we want to talk, going back to the basics of hearing, we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to look at three different people, three different stages of their lives who heard Jesus present the salvation message to them. And because of that, because of what they heard, it forever changed their path on this life. We're going to talk about a religious leader, a frustrated woman, and a big time sinner that are all going through life, some good, some bad, some ugly, but they heard from Jesus. Let's talk about a religious leader in John chapter 3. This religious leader comes to see Jesus at night because he's ashamed, embarrassed, and doesn't want his friends and family to know that secretly he's trying to be a Jesus follower. In John chapter 3, starting in verse 9, we're jumping in the middle of this. You can go back and read the full thing. You've probably read it before. Jesus tells him that you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Verse 11, look at this. Most assuredly I say to you, now Jesus is talking as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We speak what we know and we testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. Verse 12 If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Because remember in John chapter 3, he starts talking about the wind. He starts talking about being born again. He's talking about these very philosophical things to this Pharisee who has been studying his whole life, who is a prominent leader in the town. When he walks, people know. When he shows up, In church, he sits on the front row. He's memorized the first five books of the Bible. He's the one that can decipher the law. He's the one that can give this knowledge to the the common person. There is no way that these people could understand the full understanding of the law. So they had these teachers to help them understand it. And now this teacher is going to a teacher He's asking him at night, quietly, secretly, hiding. And Jesus says, what I've spoken in regards to salvation, if you don't understand that, how are you going to understand these heavenly things? And obviously there's an impact that happens to Nicodemus. As he hears what Jesus says, it's new to him, it's different, it's, it's, it's a weird way of seeing it, of hearing it. And he could have walked away like the rest of the Pharisees. He could have been the Pharisees that were standing before Pontius Pilate saying, his blood be upon us and our children. Crucify him. But he wasn't there because what he had heard in the past forever changed his course. He didn't drift away. He didn't run away. He didn't miss the mark because in John chapter 19, verse 38, it says... As Jesus 
is dying on the cross, as he's dead on the cross. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he took the body of Jesus. And I don't think I put the right scripture. And Nicodemus... I'll just keep reading at 39 and 40. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 100 pounds of spices. Then they, being Nicodemus, took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. What he heard in the dark of night, when he was confused, when he was embarrassed, forever changed his walk on this earth. And now a man who was hiding from his friends, hiding from the other Pharisees, is the one that is pulling Jesus himself off of the cross. Who then out of his own money in his own pocket is buying a hundred pounds of spices. Spices aren't that heavy. Put some salt in your hand. Get an aloe plant and break it and let the aloe go into your hand. It's not that heavy. And he brings 100 pounds. How much of an impact this salvation message had on this religious leader? Let's talk about a frustrated woman. One chapter over in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And this woman is out in the middle of the day, not with the other women, getting water. She's by herself getting water by herself because she has been uh, pushed away by the women because she's gotten to know a lot more of the men in the town. And in the middle of the conversation, John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, they're having this conversation, Jesus and this woman. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us, he'll tell us all things so that I can hear it, so that I can get my life right, so I can quit searching after all of these men. Remember the woman at the well, she had had five other husbands and the woman, the man she was with, the sixth one, wasn't her husband. And Andre preached at New Life last week about this same exact thing where he preached about this woman who met a man. And imagine... She meets another man, and this man, in verse 26, says to her, I am who you speak. This whole time, she's looking for a savior. She's looking for a man to save her. I don't know what happened in her life, but she's going from man to man to man, looking for someone to love her, looking for some man to save her, for some man to take care of her. And the seventh man shows up, and he says, the one man that you've been looking for, if you listen, I'm he. I am the man that you've been looking for, the one that will change your path, the one that will change everything about what people thought about you, in the community. And let's look at the path that she went on. Verse 39 of John chapter 4. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus. Why did they believe in Jesus? Because of the word of that woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Now it doesn't seem like Jesus has a problem with women in ministry here preaching and getting saved. It's a whole other thing. He's okay with that. Uh, verse 41, 
we'll drop down one scripture. And many more believed because of his own word. So Jesus and this woman are tag team preaching in her town. Hey, isn't that the woman who knows all the men? Well, she's got a new man. I bet you she does. But go listen to what he has to say. Go listen. It's different. She's talking differently about this man than all the other men. And because they believe what she said and because of what he said, verse 42, then they said to the woman, they weren't talking to the woman. Remember she had to go to the well by herself? Nobody wanted to talk to her. But because she believed and paid extra attention to what she had heard, she wasn't drifting away. She was on the exact path that God had for her. Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This forgotten woman is now brought to the forefront of her town and her community, not as gossip, but as gospel. As she brings this message of what she heard to help not only correct her path, but correct the path of the whole town. And lastly, let's talk about the big-time sinner. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus crosses over the water, and he lands at this town edge. And this man, who is demon-possessed, comes running from the tombs to him. Now this big-time sinner, he's having a good old time. They say that chains and ropes and nothing can hold him. He's run away from the town and he's hiding in the graveyards. Why is he hiding in the graveyards? Because there's peace there. The man's looking for peace and it's quiet in a graveyard. And it says that he's naked, and he's crazy, and he's demon-possessed, just a wild sinner having a wild time. But he sees a man from afar. And everything that says he can't be controlled, he's a wild animal. He's running through the woods, he's running through the graves, naked and unashamed, all of a sudden comes into full focus as he takes all of his control of his body, and he starts running toward Jesus. And he falls down at his feet. And Jesus starts talking to him and starts talking to those demons. Depending on how you look at it, it says that the legion, he says that he's got a whole bunch in the crew, but devils are liars, so it could have been a couple of demons. But there was one or two that ticked off a whole bunch of pigs and it says, when the town came, because they heard of such a ruckus, they found the crazy man who was naked, couldn't be controlled, couldn't stay still, was clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus because he heard something he had never heard before. He had experienced something that he had never experienced before, and it instantly changed his course. He wasn't drifting away. The salvation message, it says in Romans chapter 1, that, uh, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. That salvation message is the power of God that can change your life, can course correct. If you just hear the gospel message, if you just remember the time that you heard the gospel message and said yes to Jesus, a big-time sinner turns into a big-time saved. Mark chapter 5, verses 18. This is at the end of it. 
Jesus is leaving. He's got to go on to the next town. He got into the boat, and he, look at this, who had been, praise God, no longer, had been, demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. Let me go with you, please. Verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Look at this. And tell them. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Verse 20. And he departed, this man, clothed and in his right mind, in love with Jesus. Did he go back to the tombs? Did he drift away? He began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which the Decapolis is a ten city. It's, it, it's, it's ten cities in kind of a circle area of that. All that Jesus had done for him and all that marveled. He became a traveling minister. And he went from town to town, ten of them, telling them about the good things. Let me tell you about a man that I heard. And the things that he told me forever changed my life. And if it forever changed my life on that day, I was the biggest of sinners. I had all the demons. I had all the craziness. I lived in tombs. Your life isn't that bad. You have a house, a wife, a kid. You live in a community. You're a farmer. You work. You're okay. I was the craziest of crazies. And if he could save me, he could save you. And if you just hear the message, it'll put you back on the right path. Doesn't matter when you hear the message, as long as you hear it and you respond to it to help you. It's crazy how in all these different areas of life, I'm originally from Louisiana, that, that there's things that, that we've never eaten before, we've never experienced before, but you in this area have eaten it your whole life. In Louisiana and here in South Carolina, oysters are a big thing. I've never had a raw oyster, I don't think, in my life. I was thinking about it last night because I've heard so many horror stories about people getting sick and my dad got sick off of it. One, I hate to throw up, talk about it, think about it, anything like that. I rebuke the devourer when it comes to throwing up. You want to see my faith raise when you feel that, oh no, Jesus, we got to, don't like oysters, don't eat it. But some people love it. They've eaten it all their lives. Up until I started dating my wife and came here for our first visit, I never had hash before. They said, don't ask, just eat. <laughs> okay. And I eat, I have, since I've been here. Miss Karen always tells the story about her and her fight with pecan pie. I don't like nuts in my desserts. She always judges me because of that, and she tells me the story, and she'll tell you the same thing, that she's never liked pecan pie her whole life until how old? 35. And she says she's mad at herself that she waited 35 years to eat such a delicious pie, and every time they make it, she tells me, just try it. Nope, not going to do it. I'll wait. I guess I'm past 35 now, but not going to do it. I'm going to keep holding out. But probably in my 40s, I'll eat it, and I'll convert. Miss Karen's always right. <laughs> so she says. <laughs> but I've tasted and I've seen that no matter what stage in life you're in, 
God is here and willing and ready. The religious leader who is established, who is set up, who has everything, his ducks in a row, he's the one that everybody comes to and talks to, decides, oh, now I need a savior. This woman who's fallen apart, her life is a mess. She's, she's breaking up homes all over the town. Everybody knows her, everybody gossips about her, and nobody talks to her, but everybody talks about her. In that moment, that midlife crisis, she has a moment, an encounter with God. This crazy man who's running through the woods and running through there has no idea what he needs until he sees it, something different, and he hears it and it changes his life. But God is not just a Corvette to help you in your midlife crisis. He's not waiting till you get to your 40s. He's waiting for you to say, I need you now. At, whatever, at the age of my children, under 10, the age of the graduates, 20, the age of me and my wife in our 30s, some of you here who are above that age. God is ready to meet you as long as you heed to what he has to say so that he can help. But God is not is also, me and Miss Karen were talking about this this week, God did not send his son Jesus to make bad people good. It's not the reason he sent Jesus to make bad people good. There is a story in Acts chapter 10 about a really good man who was not saved. Look at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Now this is a Gentile. He's not a Jew, therefore he's not entitled to any of the things in the new covenant that I mean the old covenant that the Jews were entitled to. He's a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He is not a Jew. He's outside. The gospel has not come to the Jewish the, the Gentiles yet. It's about to because we're in Acts chapter 10. But look at who this man is, Cornelius, verse 2. He was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms, not begrudgingly, but generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. Now, let's be honest. Who wants to be that man? As your pastor, as anybody in the church, I would like to have that guy in my church. That's a good guy. He's devout. He's got a family. He fears God, not just him, but with his whole household. He gives alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. And yet God showed up to him and said, there is a man by the name of Peter that you need to go find, and he will tell you words to get you and your household saved. A devout man who fears God, who gives generously to the people, and in prays always, was not saved. But God made a way. He said, you go find Peter. Peter's going to come, although Peter doesn't know he's supposed to come, and he's going to tell you words so that you can hear that will get you saved and into the kingdom of God. God did not come just to make bad people good, but God came to make dead people come to life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Look at verse 5. Even when we, say me, me, even when I, put yourself in the Bible, even when I was dead in my trespasses, there was nothing I could do. I was dead. 
in a casket, in a tomb, laying there, hanging out. He made you alive. How? Together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Look at verse 6. So not only does he not leave you dead, God could have left you dead. You messed up. You're a sinner. Nobody likes you. Stay dead. He could have done that, but he didn't. He's gracious. He said, I'm going to help. Dead people can't come back to life unless something intervenes in there. So he says, I'm going to bring you back to life. Now, as a zombie, you sit up. Uh, We're here. What do I do? You ever seen Walking Dead or any zombie movie? I'm alive, but uh, he could have left us there. That would have been great. I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. But that's not who God is. God is gracious and God is abundant. Not only did he not leave us dead, not only did he make us alive, he raised us up together. And then what did he do? He made us sit together. Where? In earthly places? In hot heaven? Maybe a little bit higher in hell? Not all the way down in hell, but since you're, you, you chose Jesus, we'll put you in a little bit hotter heaven up there. No, no, no. He put us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a good God. What a gracious God. Do you remember the moment that you got saved? You go back and you revisit it. God, remind me of that moment when I got saved, when I was dead and you brought me back to life. Because some of you are still walking around like zombies when God wants to to sit down and rest and receive all the blessings and the promises that he has for you. And I'll finish with this. I wrote this. We were on a path to death, destruction, devastation, and damnation. There was no way to get out of it until we heard about a man who created a new path. Upon hearing and believing, our path was forever changed to life on this planet and into eternity. The last thing I have, Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. We know this scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And here's that word again. If anyone hears, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Open the door. I will come into him and dine with him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Sum up this whole, this whole salvation message. You'll have to go back up to the top because I forgot to say it at the beginning. John writes, therefore, let that abide in you. Look at this, which you heard from the beginning, your salvation message, the gospel. Let that abide in you. Let it reside in you. Let it be something that you remember over and over again. Because look, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, look what happens. You also will abide not only in the Son, but also in the Father. If you remember that salvation moment all the time, if you remember it and you abide in it, then he abides in you. And look at verse 25. And this is the promise. This is the promise. God is not a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. And this is the promise that he has promised us if we abide in that salvation, if we abide in that gospel, if we abide in remembering what Jesus did for us. He's promised us eternal life. And the last scripture I have, I'm finishing with this. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. Talking about 
at the end of times, how they overcame the devil. And they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the salvation message, the gospel message, and look, by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. You want to correct your path? Start reminding yourself, God saved me. God saved me back then. And if he saved me back then, he'll save me today. There was one time long ago where I was on fire for God. Or God showed me this. Or God, remember that moment. And if he did it then, he'll do it now. In my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s, in my 50s. All the way up until I go see him in heaven. He promised me eternal life if I just abide in him. If I just abide in what I've heard from the beginning. And make it a priority to tell other people your testimony. Tell other people, I met a man. I met a man like the religious leader that changed my life forever. I met a man like the frustrated woman that changed my life forever. Like the crazy sinner streaking through the graveyards. I met a man, and I can't stop telling people about it. And I can't stop reminding myself. My ears need to hear that I met a man and he changed my life forever. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes as we get ready to go. I want to give an invitation to meet that man today. I know we've all been in church together for many months and many years, but I can look at the outside, but God's the one that looks at the heart. So I want you to take a moment yourself to remember when you met the man, if you did get saved, whenever that was, however many years ago, or if today's the day where you say, you know what, I'm not sure, I need to meet that man. God wants to help each and every one of you today, and it starts in believing his gospel message, which is 1 Corinthians 15, that says, Christ died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. If you confess that, Romans 10, 9 and 10, confess that with your mouth, believe it in your heart, then you'll be saved. And then there are benefits that happen upon your salvation. A lot of benefits, but let me just name three of them to help you from three different pretty important people. John chapter 3, which we read today, Jesus says, if you believe on him, you'll receive eternal life. Everybody's going to go somewhere in eternity. Away from God, or with God. You get to decide while you're on this earth. And Jesus says, if you believe on him, you'll have eternal life with him. In Romans chapter 10, we were reading that story. The apostle Peter told Cornelius and his family, if you believe in Jesus, then you'll receive remission and forgiveness of sin. So not only do you get eternal life once you die, you go to heaven forever, but you also on this earth receive full remission and forgiveness of sin from Jesus when you believe on him. And then the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, I believe, or maybe it's five, Romans 10, yeah. The apostle Paul says, if you believe on Jesus, you'll be made righteous or you'll be made right in God's eyes. Three benefits if you say yes to Jesus today, or if you've already said yes to Jesus to remind you of the benefits, you receive eternal life, you receive remission of sins, and forgiveness of sins, and you are made in right standing. You are made righteous in God's eyes. This moment is not about God deciding about you. This moment is about you deciding if you believe in God or not. 
if you believe in what Jesus did all those years ago. So with all your heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just ask you all to repeat it with me. Have a moment with God. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And today's the day to meet a man. Or remember the time that you met a man. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And you sent your Son to save me. Jesus, I confess and believe that you died on a cross for my sins. You were buried in a tomb for me. And on the third day, you rose again for me. Jesus, be my Savior today. Today, I receive everything that you have for me. Today, I know when I die on earth, I'll open my eyes to see my Father and see my Savior. Jesus, thank you for correcting my path today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please come tell me. If you rededicated your life, please come tell me. We have some books over there, a little black book that's on top of the coffee mugs that I would love for you to have to help you for some next steps in regards to your salvation and your walk with God. And let me pray a blessing over you as we head out today. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. I thank you that we get to enjoy this holiday weekend, Pentecost Sunday and Memorial Day weekend, where we remember those who gave their lives for us to walk in freedom and how fitting it is today we talked about Jesus giving his life so that we could walk in freedom here on earth and here in heaven. Father, I thank you for these people, that they are healed and whole. They have the mind of Christ. They're blessed and highly favored. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that by the stripes on your back, they are healed and whole. Father, I thank you right now that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are going to go out and share our testimony. We're going to speak the words of our testimony to people we come in contact with to let them know, I met a man that changed my life, and you need to meet that same man so he can help you along your journey. Now, Father, bless these people. Protect them. Protect those who were traveling already and those that are going to be traveling today over the holidays and bring them back safely next Sunday. Be with Alyssa as she travels all the way down to Mexico. And, Father, I thank you for a good Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.